a lost protagonist deals with violence and mystery in the apocalyptic hellscape of Los Angeles. <laughs> but enough about my day. Let's talk about some movies. I'm Eliza Jansen. And I'm Max Kronick. What? Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Welcome to Twin Peaks. Gosh, I love movies. Before beginning the show today, I'd like to pay my respects to the traditional custodians of the land on which we're recording, the Gabrielenio people. With that, welcome to a very special, unique, different episode of Twin Picks, where we're not joined by a pair of actual real-life human twins who oh. make a double feature out of two movies that share some kind of similarity and decide which one does its job better. R.A.P. Yeah, sadly. Yeah. That's why they're not in this episode. Yeah. Um, for those of you who don't know, uh, Noah and Meg um, died tragically when they were walking down the street and someone nudged a potted plant uh, out of their uh, seventh story apartment. Um, it did not make contact with Noah or Meg, but it did set off into motion some sort of Rube Goldberg Final Destination type. Wait, they were together, though. They were walking close enough that a walking, Holding hands, yes. They haven't been known to do that. I don't think I've ever seen them make Nora and make hold hands and walk around like twins. Well, you haven't been to Australia in a year, have yeah. you? A lot yeah. has changed. Lockdown <laughs> changes people. Yeah, it makes people nudge pot plants off yeah. tall windows. Wow. Yeah. Um, Max Kronick, welcome to the podcast yet again. Yeah. Woo! Wahoo! It me. Yeah. yeah. Did you miss not being on the podcast since your last appearance where we talked about outbreak and contagion at the start of the outbreak and contagion yeah you might not realize this but you know those like tattoos i've been getting of lines like you know uh, counting down things <laughs> yes those have actually been hours since i haven't been on the podcast <laughs> why you didn't you just say can i be on the podcast again well you know it's I, not that serious yeah I, I didn't want to be cringe okay so anyway no, i'm stuck with these it. i'm stuck with these tattoos i think i'm at about um several thousand now um Wow. Yeah, I get a lot of looks. Thankfully, I'm wearing a mask, so no one knows who I am. Yeah. How yeah. would you characterize your time in L.A. at the moment, the city? Because that's the subject of the two movies we've picked to talk about today, just in this little one-on-one -on -one episode. Eccentric. Eccentric? Eccentric, yes. <laughs> Would you say, like, failures? Both of these movies were kind of flops. And uh, flops of a similar kind, where it's like they're a director who made a beloved popular film and then followed it up with this weird misunderstood film that people hated, you know? Yeah, um... Uh, I don't know. Uh, I wouldn't say people hated these. I would say they're very polarizing. Yeah. You know, um, they both did fail uh, financially and critically. They were kind of um, they don't have all broad over the appeal. place. No, but um, I, I got to say, I do really enjoy both of these movies. Which are Southland Tales, directed by Richard Kelly and... Under the Silver Lake, <laughs> directed by David Robert Mitchell. Yes. Who we kind of like only knew for It Follows. And then this came out, was really hated at the Cannes Film Festival and was accused of being like super sexist, I remember. And Southland Tales, I think, yeah, both of them had like a weird Cannes reception, right? Yeah. I only just realized. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, where like critics immediately really ragged on them. And since then, they've sort of become a bit of a cult classic. What's interesting about Under the Silver Lake for me is it's one of the buried A24 movies. You'll notice a lot of A24 movies, they get like a really cool trailer. They get a really cool push. But as soon as pre-reviews come out, um, yeah. based on initial reception, like if they're golden, uh, if, if they're received very well, you will hear a lot about them immediately. But mm-hmm. if... Um, they kind of get a middling initial reception. They They'll will just get, get like swept under a rug, on a rug. streaming service. Yeah. And like then, you can watch Under the Silver Lake on like Canopy or something. On like Amazon Prime. Yeah. You'll Gosh. just get buried on Amazon Prime or like Hulu. Another movie that A24 did that with was, uh, I think, uh, The Slice with Chance the Rapper. Uh, I was going to say Hot Summer Nights with Hot Timmy Chalamet. <laughs> yeah. Hot Summer Nights is another example. Yeah. I think that's on Amazon Prime. Is here it good? In Have you seen it? I haven't seen it. No, but it is starring two A24 darlings, Timothy Chalamet <laughs> and Micah Monroe. Oh, nice. Who was in It Follows? Oh, my God. Yeah, she wow. was in It Follows. Wow, it's like some kind of sick Hollywood conspiracy. Imagine watching two films about With the same that kind people of thing. by the same production company. Hmm. Wow. There must be something deeper afoot. Yeah. <laughs> Are you keen to talk about these movies? I sure am. Wahoo. Should we start with Southland Tales? Yeah, because chronologically, um, it even takes place first because it takes place in like a dystopian 2008. Eh? Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. After like a big explosion. Let's, you know, let's get into it. Let's attempt to explain and critique Southland Tales. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. Woohoo! Southland Tales was written and directed by Richard Kelly right after he released the really popular emo hit, a film I think we both unironically like, Donnie Darko. Oh, yeah. You like it. I do like Donnie Darko. I think I fall for it a little bit more than you do. Really? No, I enjoy it. I really like the soundtrack. The soundtrack is crazy. And everyone always kind of, I feel like everyone forgets how bonkers. And how many famous people are in it? Yeah. Amy Tisdale and Seth Rogen and stuff. Yeah. Anyway. Amy Tisdale? Ashley Tisdale. Is, 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 is Ashley Tisdale in that? It's Yeah, but her name's Ashley Tisdale, right? Yeah, her name's Sharpe. Ashley. Sharpay. Yeah, Sharpay. Your favorite character from High School Musical. Yeah. Yeah. It's Ashley. I'm so embarrassed. I just called her Amy Tisdale. Is, is she in Donnie? I, yeah, she, she is. She's a little girl that gets up at the oh, lead, yeah, like, yeah, she <laughs> Christian she or whatever. Like, yeah, she, school speech. fun fact, she's also Sharpay. Yeah. After, after the events of Donnie Darko, she went oh, on to canonically, go to canonically, it's yeah. the same girl. Canonically, her mm. parents had enough of that town after people kept getting killed by stray airplane jets. <laughs> airplane. They were like, after all that shit, Sharpay, we're yeah. going to give you everything you want. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're going to be fabulous. That was back in the why. golden days of America where teenagers had to worry more about stray airplane turbines falling <laughs> on them than getting shot. Those what were, were like, things when you were little that you thought you were going to have to constantly deal with and they've just never pose an obstacle to you in your life like people always say like stop drop and roll you thought you would just always be on fire and have to remember to stop drop and roll that's never happened to me yeah same and it's funny they really hammer in how much you have to be worried about the coronavirus yeah whereas that's just like a years ago yeah (laughs) oh yeah right okay (laughs) like were there things you were excited to like face as a child and then it's just never come up for you like Uh, natural disasters or like animal attack 
Yeah, er, well, we're in uh, California, so I feel like earthquakes are a big thing. We do experience those, but they're not as big a deal. Earthquakes? Yeah, er, earth, earthquakes, they don't feel as big a deal yeah. in LA native, even though like they have the capacity to wow. absolutely wipe out everything. <laughs> like something in does in Southland Tales. Oh, okay, yeah. Wow, I was and about San to Andreas, San Andreas also, which is also, starring, the also starring Dwayne the Rock's Johnson. Anyway, I think a productive way, or maybe an incredibly unproductive way to get into talking about Southland Tales could be: Can we describe what happens? I reckon I can give it a crack. Okay, you okay. try. This yeah. movie—it's about um, there was like some kind of big nuclear explosion. It's kind of like Akira, basically, in some some areas of America, and it like led to this super. In high surveillance government taking over where everyone has their identity, like it's like publicly available. You have to get around with like your identity card or something like that. And so like communism has taken off in a big way. Wow, how surprising. And it's Marxism. Sorry, Marxism. Yeah. yeah. Neo-Marxists? Ne- the Neo-Marxists, yeah. yeah, with uh Wallace Shawn <laughs> playing himself, basically. Yeah, and he's like, I have a way to power everything because there was like, you know, this it's basically post-apocalyptic. And but the way that they're powering the world is by using ocean currents, but they don't realize that by using the currents, it makes the earth turn slower and it will mean the end of the world. And mm-hmm. somehow also, Dwayne the Rock Johnson is a He's a actor? Yes, he's an actor. Who, Boxer Santeros. Yeah, and he somehow just has a prophetic vision of all that that's going to happen, and he puts it in a screenplay. Mm-hmm. And so the government wants to kill him because of his screenplay. <laughs> Is that right? What about Sean William Scott, though? <laughs> that was like, oh, my God. That was like he's he thought he was brothers. He thought he had a brother that died or something, but it was actually. For those at home listening, Eliza started bleeding out of her eyes <laughs> three minutes ago oh and has not stopped. Um, and also, but Sarah Michelle Gellar is a porn star called Krista now, yeah. and she's great. That's all you need to know, really. Mm-hmm. So basically, <laughs> Southland Tales juggles a bunch of these wacky characters as they kind of just navigate this. Um, dystopian los angeles dystopian bush era inspired it's a bush era inspired dystopian america which is insane because i would realizing that this is a reaction to uh the patriot act and all these things that happened under uh the george w bush administration it would be absolutely insane to see what this movie would look like if it was under a trump administration i wouldn't want to watch that though this is fun because it's old and you're like, ha, 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 oh, all those things are true. <laughs> like, the internet is being censored and, like, shit is dystopian. And, like, the film's point about, um, like, you know, this porn star being, like, a valid journalist yeah. and, like, a spy or something. Like, who, who would you, who'd you, ca- who you cast in the Trump administration no. version of this? Oh, okay. Well, like, yeah. Jared Leto instead of, oh. uh, instead of uh, Justin Johnson, Timberlake. Right? Justin Timberlake can stay. Harry Styles instead of Justin Timberlake. <laughs> Oh, you think you think so? Yeah, why not? <laughs> Instead of Sean William Scott, it would be like um, I don't care enough about that character slash twin characters. Well, I don't his, remember. That is kind of a cool explain twist. What happens with him? Sean, Sean William Scott, he plays a cop, and um, and his name is Roland, and his brother's name is Ronald. Ronald. Yeah, which and, <laughs> and you're led to believe he's playing two brothers the whole movie, and then at the end, it turns out they're the same guy because one of them they, they traveled in through time, or there's like a time ripple. Because Wallace Shawn's machine makes 
the waves and it rips holes yeah. in Look, it, it's going to be impossible for us to dissect this movie uh, plot-wise. So uh, let's talk about some standout scenes from it. Oh, my God, like yeah. When the good think, bits. Yeah, when yeah. you think of Southland Tales, uh, what do you think of? One bit that you remembered when we just watched was... Krista's song, Teen Horniness is Not a yeah. Crime. Teen Horniness <laughs> is not a crime. Open your hearts and your mind. Yeah. It's a great, great Did you song. have like a single of it? Or you just know a bit of the chorus? Yeah, it was my ringtone. It was very popular. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, she was really great. I yeah. thought Sarah Michelle Gellar. She had all the best lines. The line where she said, make fun of my fortunes all you want for Tunio <laughs> to yeah. Will Sasser. Oh, my God. And, of course, when she says... Scientists are now predicting the future is going to be even more futuristic than predicted. Or yeah. Whatever. There's like, a lot of like really funny one-liners in this. That it's you genuinely funny. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah and it kind of, it's one of those things you, you forget that Richard Kelly, like aside from like kind of being obsessed with these trippiness. <laughs> vortexes and like vortexes, time Yeah. He's like very funny. He's got some really snappy dialogue. Um, I know Donnie Darko, when I rewatch that, I'm like, I forgot this is really funny. Yeah. Um, and even casting comedy people like Amy Poehler's in this, like John Lovitz. Yeah. Who are the other like um, well, improv and like SNL people? I feel like there's so many of them. I was about to say Bai Ling. Oh, dude. She was <laughs> yeah. so F- good. Famous SNL cast member Bai Ling. <laughs> yeah. She's hilarious. Yeah. Um, yeah. As Wallace Shawn's like cool Life. assassin lady yeah. who like chops off a dude's hand. She was great. Oh, there's yeah, there's a the great scene early on in this movie where they're like negotiating a deal with the Japanese businessman and like to seal the deal. I think he, that's like the third scene of yeah, the movie. It's, yeah, it's like pre-credits, I think. He they're like, okay, we need your finger to like seal the deal. So he's like, okay, chop off my finger. That's he like okay. signs a contract and like yeah. agrees to have his and finger chopped off. And then Byling just chops off his whole hand. And then Wallace Shawn says something like, "Oh, you didn't read the contract." He's like, there was a two-inch margin of it. And you're like, he's Wallace Shawn voice. Yeah. Yeah. It's really great. Yeah. I'm well, going to do that. Also, Mandy Moore <laughs> some is in this. Um, Yeah, she's in like the weird three-way dance at the end where it's like mm-hmm. in the final, final scenes of the movie, the whole yeah. cast are pretty much in a Zeppelin or like a blimp. Yep. And um, Dwayne The Rock Johnson does this, like, dance with Mandy Moore and Sarah Michelle Gellar. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, this beautiful, heartbreaking Yeah. It's like this moment. interpretive dance only rivaled by that from the end of Book of Henry. Watch Book of Henry to know what I'm talking about. Ew, horrible. I was going to say Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion. I love, like, yeah, three people trying to dance. I think right. it's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> It, it, it's up there. It's with, not the musical moment, though, right? No, the musical moment <laughs> has to be Justin Timberlake lip syncing to uh, all these things that I've done by the Killers. I believe. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Do you think it's like cringe or do you enjoy? I enjoy it, but I also feel like it's a very weird choice. Like I'm, I'm uh, into it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm into it, but it's like you have Justin Timberlake there. Are you gonna just go meta with you it? You want him to sing um, like "Bye Bye Bye" or like "Sexy Back." I would love for that. I would love for both of those things. It almost feels to me like they kind of wanted that. They probably would have wanted that if he was just like, I don't want to do that. I don't know. I think The Killers, this, that song choice really encapsulates when this movie came out to me. It's like, oh, that really like surging, like sincere, hopeful, bro-y indie rock. And it's like, I can see why Richard Kelly would have would have found that so compelling at the time. Be like, oh, yeah, this is like real Heartland music and stuff. But, but also. And Justin Timberlake, isn't that? But also catering to Richard Kelly's sense of humor, which we've established mm-hmm. firmly that he has. It seems to me like, oh, he'd love the irony of like uh, Justin Timberlake looking like a war vet with his like. <laughs> 
scarred eye, like singing yeah. bye 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 uh, directly to the audience. Mm, maybe the rights were all, just too expensive. Well, this was also during the period where um, kind of Justin Timberlake was still branching out as an actor, so he was trying to like maybe be taken seriously. A Are you more. a Justin Timberlake stan? I wouldn't go that far, but I enjoy his acting. <laughs> really? Yeah. I feel like he's always, we covered this on the No F- Friends of Benefits, No Strings Attached episode. I feel like he is always unconvincing to me. And there's just something smug about him. <laughs> Look, I don't want to brag, but I am the Facebook moderator of the <laughs> official In Time <laughs> Facebook group. Oh, really? Fan club. A girl yeah. from my school was in that movie. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Uh, is she still alive? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or did she run out of time? Oh, um, I don't actually remember if she died or lived in the movie. I don't know. But, yeah, she was in it. Um, Is there anything else we need to touch on in talking about Southland Tales? Yes. It's really important. Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, we got to talk about Under the Silver Lake as well. We do. But also, I think, I really do think it's worth mentioning that all the performances in this movie are fantastic. And it is, Mm. can we talk about The Rock for a second? What he brings to the table. If if you just know The Rock from watching like San Andreas. He's like last decade of filmmaking. Jumanji. (laughs) Like these movies where he kind of just plays, not, I I don't want to say plays himself, but plays like just, just action hero is the Mm. character. But Even t- Hobbs t- the same yeah. kind of guy. Like, it's like his public persona of being, yeah. like, jokey, sarcastic, weirdly wholesome, yeah. like, family-friendly in a way. Yeah. Like yeah. Th- This is The Rock being a character actor, which I am totally there for. He brings all <laughs> sorts of, like, weird quirks to his character. The best is that w- one. When he's, yes, uh, when he's, like, um, kind of. He steeples his fingers together when he's nervous. nervous like, yeah. he's, like, fretting and his, like, eyes dart around. It's so funny. Yeah, it, it is fantastic to see him actually, like, give yeah. a, a kind of, like, non, uh, non-traditional non rock performance. When do you think was, like, the turning point? Um, Where it's like, you do you remember it's like he was Dwayne the Rock Johnson, and then he was like, I'm just Dwayne Johnson. And then he's, like, conceded and it's like, I'm Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Well, we, we can, we can probably pinpoint know. that on his IMDb, but I, I think uh. it probably happened sometime... Like right after Fast Five, yeah. because that's when you know he came in as Hobbs, and he kind of had an edge back then. Like yeah. that Hobbs had an edge before being kind of like wholesome. Turning into the Rock. <laughs> yeah, he he became like wholesomeized. Yeah. And um, oh yeah, and this movie also has Kevin Smith as a legless Iraq war veteran, as it says here on the Wikipedia. Um, I didn't he's, even he's, he's unrecognizable. They put him in old age makeup, and um, I think he has like one or two lines. But mm. yeah, it, it's it's very it's it's very cool actually. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of there for that. Uh, um, John Lovitz, yeah, oh, the Amy Poehler, Amy Poehler, and Wood Harris, uh, who's who's an actor from the The Wire. They they play these mm. neo Marxist activists who try to stage. Um, I wonder how much of that was just saying them saying like be funny, just improv. Like, yeah, it, it really did seem like a lot of their dialogue was um, totally improvised because they have to. They do a scene where they're they pretend to be a couple going through a domestic uh, dispute and they're hooked up with squibs. So they have someone come in and they have Sean William Scott who's in on it, who's supposed to show up and shoot them with blanks and look like a police officer just killed these two, um, this interracial couple in the middle of a domestic uh, <coughs> dispute. However. While Sean William Scott is on his way to deal with this fake dispute um, <laughs> that he's in on, John Lovitz shows up playing a stone cold killer. He's like and, a psychopath cop. Yeah, he's imagine that. <laughs> Artie Ziff no more. He is the most. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you remember John Lovitz for. Sure. Yes. Okay. He's the most un John Lovitz character who just immediately shoots Amy Poehler and uh, and Wood Harris in cold blood. <laughs> And then, like, after they've been shot, the squibs go off. I don't think anyone... I don't think Richard Kelly, 
the director of this film has ever put as much thought or joy into that scene as you have. That really tickled you. I'd li- yeah, I'd like to think so. <laughs> I am. I am. It's a- very real. It's very yeah. 2020, honestly. It is. Yeah. Wow. 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 <laughs> Shall we move suburbs from Southland to moving over east? Wait, what is, is Southland just like Southland just is Venice? pretty all encompassing, or is it just would... all of the South, like California? I think I think in the in the context of the movie, it just it's all of Los Angeles. Okay. Well, let's go to Silver Lake and get under it. Yeah. Now that you're all <laughs> experts on Southland tales, based on that expert. <laughs> synopsis and discussion by the two of us under the silver lake is written produced and directed by david robert mitchell and it stars andrew garfield as a very um like sweaty and relatable and familiar kind of LA character. He's like this underemployed, beardy guy living in Silver Lake. He's just horny. He's clueless. Do you relate to this character? Um, I, I, you I don't live like, in Silver Lake. I, I don't live in Silver Lake. No. Yeah. <laughs> I, Sorry. Yeah. Um, I don't live in Silver Lake, and I'm only obsessed with conspiracy theories that involve my man Q. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm yeah. not. <laughs> Um, yeah, Andrew Garfield is playing here a conspiracy theorist, like slacker, kind of unpaid private detective. No, well, well, they never say what he does for a living in this movie. Um, my theory, and I know this is a theory of a lot of people, that he is actually an actor who's not mm. working at the moment. Because he does seem to always travel in like actory circles and like always be around auditions. And, and yeah, he, yeah he, he drives a nice car. Until it gets repossessed. Um, so yeah. he probably like is used to getting like large chunks of money in short bursts that he kind of has to live off. Wow. How much thought do you put? That's pretty good. That's a good theory. I'm using my detective skills. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, um, I feel like the inciting incident of this film is when he happens upon a sexy neighbor that he's been perving on and like they just spend kind of half a night together or something. And then the next day she disappears and later he finds out she was um, her body was found in a burning car wreck along with this missing billionaire, some California mogul. And that is an extremely noir way to start a movie with mm-hmm. like an old rich guy dying and a sexy femme fatale lady dying <laughs> and some guy being caught up in all of it. <laughs> yeah, and it's worth noting um, she never came to him for help. To he, uh, a big part of yeah. this movie that kind of comes back at the end is this is kind of a quest that he's um, he's imposed on himself. Hmm. Uh, no one really is asking him to do this. He's just kind of, um, he had one nice night with Riley Keough. Uh, Elvis's he, granddaughter. Elvis's granddaughter. And he just starts kind of simping for her immediately. <laughs> he's just like, I want to Under the simp little lake. Uh, yes. That was the working title. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> now, um, yeah. And he, and um, under this whole backdrop, there's a seedy LA underworld. Um, mm-hmm. There's a mysterious dog killer. <sighs> Uh, kind of lurking in the background of this whole film. Um, There's somewhat- a creepy band, vampire and Jesus the and the Brides of Dracula. <laughs> Jesus and the Brides of Dracula. And, uh, that might have like secret messages coded into their music. There's yeah. a hobo king, this like homeless guy who leads Andrew Garfield mm-hmm. into like the tunnels. And be- because Andrew Garfield has nothing but free time, he's like obsessed with conspiracy theories. So mm-hmm. he keeps kind of getting led on these wild goose chase interludes. 
Mm, um, of like these weird coincidences and yeah. Yeah. Like freaky uh, societies. Patrick Fischler <sighs> from. Um, have I told you my thing about this actor, Patrick Fischler? You may have. Yeah. But let's hear it again. For a while, like my friend Hirsch, who has been a great guest on this podcast in the past, um, I think he brought up like, oh, this actor keeps appearing in everything I watch randomly. And it's always in like spooky or paranoid, like, you know, paranormal themed things. And it's the actor Patrick Fischler. And I think the best example of his acting is in Mulholland Drive, Oof. where he's the poor guy that has to react to the creepy, like, <gasps> hobo monster behind Winky's Diner. Yeah, the, the yeah. thing behind the corner. It's, I, I think that's one of the scariest that's scenes. That's the best in, like, jump scare cinema. ever. Yeah, that's yeah. Like, <laughs> like, it, it's one of those things, I, it, it, I guess it is a jump scare, hmm. but you know it's coming. I mean, you kind of know when a jump scare is coming, but it just seems like... Because he tells you exactly what's going to happen. Yeah, he tells you exactly what's going to happen. The camera just lingers on this this corner and you're like, something's going to pop out of there. And, and you're like preparing, like, I wonder what it will look like. Yeah. And you, even then you're just like not prepared for it. The sound element <gasps> is like the scariest part of that bit. Why are we talking about Mulholland okay, Drive? Sorry, Because the Patrick Fischler connection. <laughs> yes. My new novel. When pa- <laughs> Should be like your like improv jazz like fusion band. That's yeah. really good. Um. Yeah, when Patrick Fischler appeared in Under the Silver Lake, I got really freaked out because I was like, oh, my God, this is exactly one of those movies that are about spooky, secret, like, oh, what's it called? When there's, like, a message coded in something. Uh, Subliminal messages. Subliminal. Yeah. Wow. Well, this movie's all about that. I love that. Because on his quest to find out what happened to the lovely Sarah... That's Riley Keough. Um, Andrew Garfield um, stumbles upon one of my favorite interludes in the movie, um, a musician, a oh writer who is responsible, according to this film, of writing every single <laughs> hit song of the past. like Just like all popular music. Every popular song, basically. He's, he's this old dude. Andrew Garfield kind of just finds his mansion and like walks in. This is it's about- like a big climb. I think it's really built up. Like yeah. a lot of the movie, they start talking like... The main characters are obsessed with um, Kurt Cobain Mm -hmm. and like he's just obsessed with coded messages and music and like starts meeting all these people who claim to have met this songwriter and when he arrives at the guy's mansion, it's just like this iconic scene that I reckon would just work if you watched it isolated outside the whole movie. That scene alone is a great short film. Yes! And it's like the guy revealing that he wrote every song Andrew Garfield has ever cared Mm -hmm. about, including like Nirvana's song. And Andrew Garfield's character, like, kind of worships Kurt Cobain, and he's just this kind of, like, burnout guy. Mm, who, and like, he, places so much importance and belief in, like, culture, even though it's all meaningless yeah. and, like, and trivial. As as this uh, old man who, who it feels like this role would be played by, like, some, like, famous, like, cameo Christopher person. Walken, oh my Like, God. you'd give it to Christopher Walken or <laughs> some, like, so famous good. actor who you'd hide as in the movie. Um is played by, I think, is Don. It's a guy in old age makeup, for sure. Yeah. Like a youngish. They put someone in old age makeup, and he gives an amazing, like, monologue while he's <laughs> he's playing the piano, and he's, like, doing He's playing, riffs. like, NSYNC. He's playing, oh, more Justin Timberlake. Yeah, he's wow. playing more Justin Timberlake. Yeah. Um, he plays. He's doing, like, um, La Bamba. La Bamba, like, Smells Like Teen Spirit. Just decades of popular music. Yeah. Wow. And basically telling Andrew Garfield that all these songs he's written. <laughs> contain coded messages for, meant just for the rich and elite yes and andrew garfield's just react he's his performance is awesome he's just he's just having this existential crisis like learning basically that every piece of media he's enjoyed is a lie because he's just like <laughs> it's not just music it's like tv movies it's Aww. everything and then um the the man playing riffs on the piano um pulls out a gun and starts to uh shoot at andrew garfield so then he picks up Kurt Cobain's like Stratocaster yeah. and 
smashes the guy's skull open yeah, and, and black blood comes out. <laughs> yeah. Andrew Garfield graphically <laughs> cracks this guy's head. Man. Uh, like beats it into a pulp. Um, and then probably the best part of this is um, it's never brought up or mentioned again. And the movie goes on for about uh, 35 more minutes. <laughs> Like dealing with it, like goes back to him just perfing on girls. Yeah, it goes back to him. Like, oh yeah, I, I guess I was looking for for Sarah. <laughs> um, I think that's a point we should get to about this film. When the reason behind this movie getting squished and like ignored by A twenty four, I'm convinced it's because a lot of the initial critical reception the movie got was saying that it is a sexist film. And accusing the movie of having, like, this revolving cast of just, like, hot, really young, really similar-looking actresses and, like, the script really treats them in a disposable way. But do you feel like that's on purpose? Do you think this is a misogynistic film? I don't think it's a misogynistic film, but I do feel like that is uh, – because it's kind of addressed in movie. Mm. It feels like a meta-commentary on, like, Hollywood. But does that make it okay, though? For something like this, sure, because it's it, it's not it doesn't feel like it's trying to send an overly preaching deep message. It just shows something that is kind of treated as a part of Hollywood. Obviously, it's kind of um, dials turned up to eleven for this, mm. but it's just kind of shown to be a part of the the industry to a degree of of these people. And you know, a big theme in the movie is like these rich and elite people. Um, spoiler alert, uh, bury themselves in sarcophagi. Basically, they, they have in, um, deep in Hollywood, the rich and elite class have built basically tombs for themselves, um, that are like massive little like mansions in the middle of a mountain, like, like bomb with shelters. Three mistresses of yeah. brides to like keep them company in the for six months. Yeah, they have enough food uh, and water for six months, and then they will presumably ascend. They're a member of this cult that they're go- going to presumably ascend after six months of living in this, like <laughs> being buried in this tomb with their three wives. Would you do that? Um, do I do I get internet? Uh, I don't think they, well, they said they have TV. They you have just t- watch TV. I do watch TV. Yes. I, I like to, I like TV. Um, and I get three wives, I guess. Yeah. You get, and they're always like a brunette, blonde and redhead. Yeah. Hmm. You know, no, I, I'll, I want to say no, but I, then I'm like, this Sunlight is, this is kind of what babes. we've been, this is kind of like what we've been doing for the past year. We basically have been living. Yeah. Here. We haven't even freaking ascended. This sucks. Yeah. I lo- <laughs> Every day I look out the window and someone else is ascending. Yeah. I'm like, what do I need to do? Oh. Yeah. Um, I need yeah. to sacrifice my cat. No. Please, get over here. It is pretty rough, the dog deaths in this movie. And yeah. the squirrel death as well. Oh, yeah. Scary. That is such a jarring moment, like, three minutes in. It's great. It's three minutes in. A squirrel just, like, kind of falls out of a tree and, like, <laughs> and dies and in front, dies of, in front of, of Andrew Garfield. And they have this, like, prosthetic squirrel Little that, like, puppet. like, looks at him as it dies. In a really meaningful way. Yeah. Wow. Are you saying you highly enjoy this movie? I do. Yeah, I, I do really enjoy this movie. It, uh, definitely. Um, I can see where people have problems with it, but uh, the clue, the all the mysteries are very um, fun. Mm. The owl lady. We, oh, didn't, we need to talk about lady. the owl lady. She's so cool. One, one of the interludes. Uh, you can explain this one. <laughs> you, 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 you're all about the owl lady. I do love the owl lady. I think like. You know, we've said that both of these movies are messes and this movie is like totally a movie of little moments rather than one satisfying, cohesive, <laughs> digestible story with like a arc that you can simply describe in like an easy way. 
But I think one of the best moments is when this movie tries to be scary, like the scenes of the dog killer. There's some freaky imagery of just walking around like in shadowy old LA at night. And the spookiest one of all is the owl lady who is basically like a naked chick who has a really weird walk and she wears an owl mask and she skulks around Andrew Garfield's apartment and the apartment of Patrick Fischler and she's just so cool and scary. Yeah. Yeah. That that's one of my favorite moments in the movie when like she she just has um I think her story is just three beats. Patrick <laughs> Fischler um kind of explains to Andrew Garfield who she is. Uh, later when Patrick Fisher, spoiler alert, dies, Andrew Garfield realizes it was the owl lady. <laughs> and then later the owl lady tries to kill Andrew Garfield, but he flashes a gun and scares and her away scared. and she like scampers away. Like What's she up to now? Yeah. I need her. Owl Where's lady, owl lady? <laughs> if you're here, please write into the pod. We'd love to hear from you. <laughs> Um, well, what if you just summoned her? Oh my god, please. No. <laughs> just write in, don't show up, please. Wow. Um, uh, as we kind of said before, um, one of the things about this that kind of differentiates it from other noir detective movies is the fact that the um, he takes it upon himself totally. He's never like recruited or like made aware of any mystery on his own. And he can be quite an unlikable protagonist in some ways. Or he oh. does stuff that you know, we're not meant to excuse in a film. Yeah. Like, he's he's kind of a scumbag. Yeah, I mean, uh, although I don't think it's as bad as Eliza does. Early in the movie, um, he goes out to his car and sees it's been keyed, and then he sees <laughs> down the street um, a bunch of neighborhood kids who are probably, like, uh, like, 11, 12 years old going around, like, vandalizing cars, and he just goes and beats the absolute living shit out he of these He forces kids. eggs into the kid's mouth. Yeah, they're egging like, cars. So punches br- and kicks him. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man! So and you think that's okay? You would do that if you saw it, if you saw kids that cage your car and saw them doing pissing on someone else's car. I don't. I don't. Them. I don't think it's okay to be, force beat an up egg kids. into a boy's mouth. No, I don't. I don't think that's okay. But I understand the feeling. Uh, like if you went out to your car and you saw that some kids had just like absolutely vandalized mm, it and they just were have still a cry. There. Yeah. Why would I take it out on them? That's scary. For See? them. <laughs> nah. Get over here. <laughs> That would be scary, actually, just having someone screaming and crying at yeah. you. Yeah. Um, and another thing, like, he, he's also full of hot takes. Because <laughs> later in the movie, um, uh, as he's getting closer to solving the mystery, he finds the oh, daughter no. of this uh, billionaire or the, this big uh, supposedly dead billionaire. That set off the film, the disappearance of her father, some crazy billionaire that yeah. everyone seems to know and love mm-hmm. for some reason. And as they're walking down the street, they have an encounter with a homeless man who they get into, uh, Andrew Garfield gets into kind of an argue, verbal argument with him. And after they get out of earshot, Andrew Garfield just goes like, I know it's not okay to say, but I fucking hate the homeless. And then he goes on like, <laughs> like this, this like minute long monologue about like why he doesn't like the homeless. He's like, they're just bullies. <laughs> they're, they're just bullies and they're jealous that they can't enjoy things that like. It's so weird. Yeah, it, it, it's very strange. Uh, but yeah, I think the centering of him as a character, like he's just some weird, like unsolicited, lonely scumbag guy who has like 20 different women that want to fuck him. Like, what is it? It's so weird. It just yeah. like. I, I don't see it as being mm, misogynistic only uh, in, a, in an accidental way. <laughs> like no. it, it's, it feels intentional. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, yeah. Well, well also, I mean, uh, aside from the fact that this movie, by the way, is littered with little clues and mm. kind of Easter eggs. Um, Which is always fun. 
it, it's letting insane. the viewer be your own little detective or whatever. Yeah, like if you pause, supposedly if you pause this movie, almost like any given moment, there's like little Ooh. things thrown in the background. But one of my favorites is uh, when Andrew Garfield finds out what happened to um, to Sarah. At the end of the movie, um, he finds out that, oh, she just decided to get buried alive, like, with this billionaire. They're actually all still alive. And he has, like, three – she's one of three wives. And earlier in the movie, like, uh, earlier in the movie when he hangs out with her for the one night, uh, what movie are they watching? How to Marry a Millionaire. Yeah, and it's about three women, like, you know. Yeah, and she has, like, little dolls of the movie and stuff. Yeah. So it's like she's being, like, groomed or she's excited about – yeah. Uh, so she got three so, little prison yeah. brides. So she got what she wanted. And, and at the end, when uh, Garfield manages to have kind Garfield. of like a Garfield, <laughs> yeah, um, he manages to have a little um, video chat, a little FaceTime with her at the end. Mm. Um, video chat. Uh, <laughs> she's just like, "Oh, you were looking for me. That's weird." <laughs> we- <laughs> That's kind of weird. We just like had two conversations. And she's right, even though she's crazy. Yeah, she's right. And he's like, do you really want to be buried alive with this like old rich guy? And she's like, well, I guess it's too late now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. That's under the Silver Lake, I guess. You got anything else to say on this? I think I do, but I think let's talk about both films together. Let's do it. They cover a lot of LA area. <laughs> One <laughs> little side of the whole city. I think a good way to get into comparing both of these crazy LA stories that critics did not enjoy <laughs> is talking about their music scenes. We loved Justin Timberlake lip syncing to the Killers in Thousand Tales, but we also loved the songwriter doing this crazy medley <laughs> every song ever in Under the Silver Lake. Which one do you think wins in a just one-on-one fight between those two mm-hmm. scenes? I, I would I would say um, I would say Under the Silver Lake. <gasps> But the Timberlake one, Tim, is, that scene is always hailed as the best bit of South and Tales. And what does it say about South and it's Tales? It's great. No, it. it's an awesome bit, but it's also um, lip syncing. Yeah. Whereas Under the Silver Lake, even. He showed he, real talent, the songwriter. <laughs> well, even though the guy's probably. He, he, I, I don't think he's actually playing piano, or he might be. Um, Maybe they just hired someone that can play piano really well. And, you know, I, I kind of wish, I wish movies would do that more. Like hire yeah. actor, act, actual people with the talent rather than try to like teach an actor to do it. Yeah. I think. I don't know. You're willing to deal with the crappy acting that comes with that? Yeah, I think so. Okay. A little, well, if they bring something cool to the table, like how in the 30s. It's they would get like, in musicals. Like, like, yeah, they would get like gymnasts or, um, you know, dancers. Something. Yeah. Someone with like a very like unique, unique skill and skill set. Liam Neeson. But based on your experience in L.A., which which movie was more true to your your LA experience? I, I think I know the answer to this, but let's yeah, hear. there was definitely a lot of stuff that Andrew Garfield's character said that made me cringe because I was like, I feel this way. Yeah, <laughs> not hating homeless people, but some of his crazy rants where he's like, "All media has a secret meaning for the elite," mm-hmm. and like all this crazy shit. Like, I I found Under the Silver Lake like disarmingly relatable at times, especially like 
Well, I found it sort of sad that in the movie, you know, he's basically hit rock bottom and it's like he's this useless guy. And in some ways I was like, oh, my God, his apartment is fabulous. Like, he's doing great. Like, yeah, no, it's his an life awesome apartment. better than mine and shit. I was yeah. like, oh, no, that's not good. Yeah. What do you think? You reckon South and Tails, does that hit home to you, what it was like living in L.A. in, like, 2008? Post-9-11? I yeah. mean, I would say, I would say um, at the moment, uh, Silver Lake is more mm. relatable, but... I think for, especially for the, about, like, culture yeah. and filmmaking in Hollywood and stuff, it, which isn't in South and Tales no, as much. Um, no, Silver Lake feels like a more introspective movie about culture. It's more kind of about making a statement about uh, about uh, popular media, whereas... Uh, whereas Southland Tales is more like broadly political and it's about like, whoa, war and energy mm-hmm. and like yeah. the environment. No, definitely. Uh, <laughs> Southland, wow. Southland Tales is more about political statements, whereas like um, Silver Lake is more about uh, popular media statement, like mm. making a statement on that. I think just for that, maybe Silver Lake can feel more self-indulgent where it's like, oh, it's, you know, any movie about like being in Hollywood and like being around screenwriters or actors or whatever. It's like, you can kind of sense that the director sees mm-hmm. themselves as that protagonist a bit. Well, Whereas Southland also- Tales is more of like an ensemble. That's true. That's true. Southland Tales is definitely more of an ensemble where you kind of get to like linger with all these like weird characters <laughs> they introduce where under the Silver Lake, they'll just show a really cool character and have them yeah, for a scene or two and be like, like they're done. Yeah. Like, and main uh, dudes in every single scene. Yeah. Like uh, Topher Grace. Topher Grace yeah. is in there. He's wearing, you know, they got Topher Grace. He's wearing a hat. He's doing his thing for like two scenes and then no more. And then the, mm. who else? Uh, Jimmy Simpson. He's yeah. there. Yeah. A lot of like those guys. Yeah. Actually, all the men in the movie are horrible, aren't they? They're like really sleazy and stuff. Yeah. And all the girls are like delightful and just they're like, being just sex like trafficked. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. So pretty wow. accurate to LA, I guess. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Um, I have a hot take for you. I'm just like Andrew Garfield. I really am. Hit me with it. I got my sunscreen on. Okay. I think. Ow! (laughs) So hot! Um, I think Under the Silver Lake is like, it's a movie made by like a normal guy who's trying to make like a wild and sprawling movie and it succeeds. And Southland Tales is that he's trying to make a normal movie. But he's crazy. So this is like how it looks like. I don't think Richard Kelly was trying to make a sprawling, weird movie. I think it all actually really makes sense to him. I. But while you're watching the movie, you're like, "What are you talking about? Don't you think that?" I don't. I don't mean to throw freezing cold water on your pumpkin <laughs> cake. Uh, but you you've you've seen the box. Yeah. Richard Kelly is capable of making a, a more or less straight narrative. No, that's not a straight narrative either. That's a really, really confusing movie. I couldn't tell you what happens in that movie as well. You did you, you did tell me what happens in that movie. In the movie. box. In the box. No. Oh, my God. You need to see it. <laughs> it's like, that was my, like, Wikipedia synopsis. Watching the movie is, like, a totally different thing. And I think that was Southland Tales, where, to him, this, like, whole world building makes so much sense. And this is, like, what he thinks LA is like. But then when you watch it, you're like, who is the main character? What's happening? What happens at the end? You think the box is more... Does everyone die in a I, I have seen clips of the box before. I, I admittedly I haven't I, seen the full I movie. I think you after think the it's podcast, more, you think it's let's more watch in- the box. Okay. It's more you think it's more incomprehensible than Southland Tales? I, um, oh, also, I, I think for posterity, we should mention that we watched uh, the Southland Tales, the con cut of the movie. Oh, the con cut. That's a, little, that's a little different. Yeah, a recent Arrow video. Um, 
Blu-ray that Richard Kelly actually oversaw and was like, I approve this. This is how I really want the movie to come out. Yeah. And I don't think it was much better than <laughs> the first time I saw the movie. No. I mean, it's... It seemed- Did it add anything to the original cut for okay. you? Not really. Also, I, I always forget this, but you know who did the mu- the music for Southland Tales? Moby. Moby, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can tell because it's all like ambient yeah. and stuff. Damn. Yeah. Also, like if there are any um, aspiring filmmakers out there, Moby does offer royalty-free music like on, yeah. his, on his site that you can kind of sample his stuff. Which is nice of him. Yeah, it's very, very cool. Good on you, thank, Moby. Thank you, Moby. The best guy. <laughs> He's never done anything wrong. Um. I think it seems like you prefer Under the Silver Lake. Am I right? I, I do. Uh, it does eke out a win on oh, okay. this one. I do, I do prefer Under the Silver Lake. Because I saw people Lake. ragging on Southland Tales this week and saying Under the Silver Lake is way better. How like, weird oh, is that? What? That there's this discourse going on right when we're yeah, like, literally we were right before we record them. this. Yeah. yeah. We thought we were being original. No. No. Don't ever think that. That's what the songwriter's trying to tell you. You don't can't ever think you're being original. You're always doing a rip That's what he was saying. I thought he was just playing cool music that I really enjoy. <laughs> That song that Kurt Cobain that make. Make <laughs> I bob my head wow. back and forth, tune out. I clap, clap. I clap, I laugh, I laugh. Dance. I clap, clap. I dance, dance, and I consume. <laughs> nice. Um, I I feel like it's time to just announce. I much prefer Under the Silver Lake as well. Even though I think Southland Tales is more to be admired for its potential. Mm-hmm. And I was keen to see another cut of it that would make it this really different movie. Yeah. And I don't think this cut was that. No. Um, I, I think Southland Tales, uh, both of them are impressive, but for different reasons. Um, Under the Silver Lake at the moment, I'm just, uh, I just dig a little bit more. Mm. Um, also, one, one thing that's so funny, because uh, just slight, slight interlude. Uh, we watched Southland Tales and we watched uh, The Mummy 2. Yeah. Um, the Mummy Returns. Dwayne double feature. Dwayne double feature. And early 2000s, Dwayne Johnson is in is in great shape. But if you like only showed, I feel like if you only showed someone uh, rock movies from the past like five years and then they went back and watched like these movies, they'd be like, he's tiny. He is. <laughs> yeah. Compared to what he I looks noticed. like now. I feel like we always watch so many movies and you're like, oh, he's like so small or whatever. You're like ragging on these person. I'm not bodies. ragging on him at all. Like he can <laughs> no, but just generally in yeah. movies, I feel like you have a high standard for how buff people should be. This is what Marvel Why movies Why do people have need done. to be that buff? This is your brain on Marvel movies. <laughs> yeah, it is. See, I think the real Why problem. Why does Chris Pratt need to be yeah. buff? Yeah, I think I think that's that's their problem. Um, yeah. Marvel movies are just, just destro- let us be destroying ugly, okay. men, men's beauty standard. That's the real problem with Hollywood is them. <laughs> they them should make giving- it under the silver lake about how disposable yeah. and trafficked and like powerless men you are. You think it's okay, Marvel? You think it's okay to get Ken Jong and hop him up on Marvel juice and <laughs> get him shredded? What superhero would Ken Jong play? I don't know. I'd, I'd watch Ken Jong take over for Iron Man. That'd be cool. Hmm. Who's someone you would like to see hopped up on that Marvel juice? Like uh, just like an actor that, that's just kind of like schlubby every man, and then they're just like now he's got now he's shredded. Oh, I think it'll be so. They should do like a like Anne Dowd or someone, you know? Oh, that'd be like awesome. a character actress that we love, and she's just wearing like a weird cloak the whole movie, and you're like, oh, I guess she's just like a wizard mentor type person. And then at some point, she like takes it off, and she's like so so buff. I would love that'd that. be awesome. I was about to say Forrest Whitaker, but then Glenn I realized Close. he was in Black Panther. She was in Guardians. Um, Michael Douglas. No, he was an Ant Man. <laughs> um, like John the- John Goodman. John Goodman oh, on wow. that Marvel juice. 
Mm, but I don't want him to go through that. I, you know what? Actually, I take it back. I don't want anyone to go through it. It just seems like hell having a big fit. That would suck. Just eat crap, do steroids. I wouldn't say eat crap. Literally, like, eat, like, the purest <laughs> food. <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't, you know, you want to be able to eat Richard this. Jenkins. Yeah, oh my that would be cool. No, no. But no. I'm saying... Paul Giamatti. Oh, he's already been in a superhero. No, he's been in Amazing Spider-Man 2. That's not MCU. So, okay, if anyone who works oh. at Disney is listening, you need to cast Paul Giamatti. You need to you need to hop him up on, on that good Marvel stuff. No, you know... He needs to be shredded. He needs to have six-pack abs. You need to make this Paul happen. Giamatti doesn't need to be shredded. He doesn't. He's fine the way he is. I think this is a fundamental disagreement that we'll always have. <laughs> How many times must we have this conversation? Paul Giamatti needs... He needs six-pack abs. He needs those abs. Can't you just let him leave? No, he needs... He looks great. Haven't you seen Big Fat Lie when he's doing laughs? Look, okay, look. Chris Hemsworth, we know he, he's he's great as Thor, but he must be getting tired of doing like so many movies as Thor. Mm. Maybe just recast, let Paul Giamatti in there, put a, put a little wig on him. Mm. Give him the hammer. I think there's a better character out there that we could find for Paul Giamatti. You know? Yeah. I mean, I guess. Uh, um, I think he should be the next Mr. Fantastic. Yeah. I, I don't know. They should just make Miles canon to the MCU. Miles. Miles was the name of his character in Sideways. <laughs> <laughs> let, just, let me double check that. I'm, I'm pretty sure. He just belittles all the other super, all yeah. the, like, villains until they just kind of like. And let, let me see if I remember his name was Miles. His name was Miles Raymond in Sideways. Yeah. Good job. And the reason I remember this is because in the trailer for Sideways where they play. Um, <laughs> all I can say is that my life is. Rain. No rain. They, they play No Rain by Blind Melon in the trailer. And they say like Miles away from home or something like that in the trailer. I'm like, that's how I remember. <laughs> and it created that connection in your yeah, mind. Yeah, I created that. You have a really good knowledge of like trailers from a really particular. Dude, age. Apple trailers was my jam. Like I would go to the, the Apple store and just like mm. queue up Apple trailers. You know what? That's why we're all fucked up and under the silver lakey. Because we took in too much promotional stuff, branding, marketing. It's rotted our minds. And it makes you think your life should follow a certain direction and revolt, like, result in a certain pattern. I think you're just too self-aware. You've you've developed too too much self-awareness. <laughs> like, you just need the Skynet amount. Imagine if Skynet <laughs> developed, like, too much self-awareness and just got really depressed. <laughs> it was like, like, hey, sorry, I can't come yeah, to the, like, this, apocalypse. Yeah. I'm just uh, feeling really anxious tonight. Yeah. I'm just going to stay <laughs> So the t- our, my time travel machine kind of broke again and just like what's the point of sending these guys back <laughs> me as the terminator yeah, I'm just, it's like i'm just I'm crea- like i don't want to show up and be naked <laughs> i'm just creating more timelines and we've all seen genesis or and no, dark fate and you know what let's just let let's just call the whole thing off that's that's, that's my what you would say that's if my you were impression. yeah i have to say um what well, are we talking about <laughs> Uh, first, congrats to Under the Silver Lake. It's won this episode. You know, <laughs> I mean, we wow, could have had a tie. It's only two of us. Yeah, Under the Silver Lake. Congrats. That might be the first award it's ever won. Um, which you know, fair enough. And also, I just wanted to say, every time you watch the Terminator movies, don't you think it's funny when they say Terminator? Or they're like, all oh, the Terminators were coming after us. And you're like, duh, that's well, the title of the film. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense, though. Like, I know, I, it's but not- they don't say it that much in the first few few movies. They only say it. Like, yeah, the they only say it by ones. the time they're juggling, like, ten different Terminator models. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The T-1000. That was good. Thank you. That, that's, all, that's all I got. <laughs> Every time I watch Terminator, I feel like... <laughs> 
you do a, did you do an Arnold Schwarzenegger impression the first time you were on this podcast? Did as well? I? I don't probably. I try to find a way to shoehorn that thing into every conversation I have. Yeah, doesn't go great at job interviews. You just hope people always Especially mention a chopper. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's. This is so we've like just been so under the Silver Lake. <laughs> let's get to Triple M. Objectively attic. under the Silver Lake. <laughs> Is the better film. You think he'd prefer that to Southland Tales? I think I do. Um, he'd like oh, Southland you- Tales better. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, because he hung out in Venice a lot. Yeah, that's like Muscle Gold's Beach, gym. Gold's. Yeah. Every time I'm in Southland Tales. Okay. Well, I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm glad we chose Under Silver Lake. Then. Yeah. All right. Anyway, Triple in the Attic. Is this off the rails? It's off the rails, but it's fun. Is this the most off the rails the podcast has gotten, do you think? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I wonder if people will like it. I don't care whether people goddamn like it. Now it's time for Triplet in the Attic, where we each got to pick a deformed, rejected, little third, you know, piece of media, um, something to round out the double feature and make it into a triple feature. Um, Do you have something prepared for this week that you think would fit South and Tails under the silver? I do, but I think you should go first. Oh, really? Yes. I'd like to hear yours first. Oh. <laughs> All right. My triplet in the attic. I thought I'd choose an actual thing in Los Angeles that was featured in one of these movies. Um, Hollywood Forever Cemetery. It was like the only place I could visit for basically like this whole year where it was like I didn't have to contact anyone and like worry about getting or giving coronavirus. It was outdoors. So I could like get some sunlight. It was free. It was within walking distance. So like. This year, I spent a lot of time at this cemetery, which sounds morbid and depressing, but it was actually very relaxing and a great place to be, great place to learn about LA's history, Hollywood, old Hollywood, and the people that made it. And there are little peacocks and squirrels and cats running around everywhere. You may have How seen great is that? you may have seen the video of the masked stranger um, going viral <laughs> for dabbing on Judy Garland's grave and. Um, <laughs> That was Eliza. That's I'm, me. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm breaking that story here. If you're wondering who who that stranger was, just throwing out dabs like party favors over Judy Garland before being dragged away by uh, yeah, it's what she would have wanted. By 98 year old Garland stands. <laughs> yeah, that was that, a that's my triplet. That's a good one. I think that might be one of the first times I've ever recommended physical location. But if you're a tourist coming to LA, or if you already happen to live yeah. here. A, I'm surprised you're listening, but B, you should. Okay. So you you, you heard it here first, every Australian listener of this show. Eliza's saying go to America right now. No. Nothing could go wrong. If you happen to be in town, go to America. Nothing bad can happen here. Eliza Jansen, 2021. (laughs) (laughs) No. Um, Um, Max, what's your triple in the attic? um, it's kind of a tie between two movies, honestly. You can say them both. That's okay. Um, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with the one I ended up choosing because I was thinking, what are like what would complete this trilogy of mm. of L.A. like dystopian yeah uh, epics? And uh, Blade Runner 2049 came out. Oh yeah, that's a cool. couple years back, and that takes place in both of them take place in Los Angeles. But uh, I think 2049 would be a really When's fun. When's the first one. Blade Runner set in like 2018 or something, right? I think so. Um, mm. yeah, it's, it's, what is it said? Cause 
I remember when it came up, everyone was like, well, I wish we were in Blade Runner times. Blade Runner. Do you wish we were in Blade Runner times? Doesn't seem in that 2019. bad. 19. Oh, yeah. That, that was like the joke mm. that it came out in 2019 and then Blade Runner 2049 oh. came out. Okay. Like, uh, but yeah, no, that that's a pretty good science fiction dystopian movie that takes place in Los Angeles. So if you if you're going to watch these three movies um uh, or those two movies, this is a great third one to mm. um queue it up with or my other triplet that I ended up not going with, um uh, but I think w- would be a fun one is The Long Goodbye. Yes. Which I think you've have you talked about on the pod before? No, we've talked about The Big Sleep. Mm-hmm. Which is another Raymond Chandler um, right. movie, but yeah, The Long Goodbye, that's a great one too. The Long Goodbye, you know, it's, it's Robert seven, Altman. Robert Altman's seventies Philip Marlowe detective movie that's in Los Angeles. And he has the best apartment. Yeah. I remember that. Wow, the apartment's so cool. Yeah. It's like a weird little like tree house or whatever. Yeah, and just like Very a bunch cool. of like hippie ladies party next to him constantly. Yeah. Kind of like somewhere on the Silver Lake in that regard. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing filmmakers mm-hmm. seem to love, big groups of women running around, maybe doing crimes or being sex trafficked in L.A. Because that made me think about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would, think, that, would that be a good triplet? I think it would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it also, you know, it's like weirdly violent, like, you know. Yeah, you're right. Violence. That'd be a good one. And I just think this is like its own whole genre of like movies about L.A. that are like kind of messy and ill-received and stuff. Like I'm also thinking of Magnolia, you know? That's like the valley, but, you know. It's almost like L.A. is a character in its own film. (laughs) That's his review of Southland Tales. Governor of California. Wait, were you alive when he was governor of California? Yes, I was was alive when he was governor of California. Yeah, obviously. The Um, governator. What was it like? Did he make good decisions? Uh, Yeah, well, you know, it rained gumdrops. Now it just rains rains gumdrops. That's such a McBain (laughs) thing to say. Oh, my God. He'd be like, no, it's raining gumdrops. I'm here at Disneyland. It used to rain gumdrops. Now it just rains gumdrops. At Disneyland, it used to rain gumdrops. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Then, then all those kids got diabetes, <laughs> so they stopped that promotion. Wow. Um, yeah. Max, thank you so much for joining me here today on this funny little made-up episode where we just decided to talk about two screwed-up LA movies. Were you happy to rewatch these? They weren't a chore. No, Were I was. You? I was happy to rewatch it. I got the. Um, Southland Tales Blu-ray, the special edition Arrow Blu-ray. Wow, yeah. So I'm I'm psyched. Maybe I'll watch the regular cut since we just went to the con cut right away. Yes. Yeah. And after thanking you, I need to, of course, thank our wonderful listeners for listening to this episode of Twin Picks. Thanks, listeners. Yeah. You guys are the best. And you look so nice today. Oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> Person listening. Um, if you had a really good time, please leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts because that distributes the episode or promotes it to other listeners that might be interested. And if you didn't, um, don't email us at twinpickspodcast at gmail.com and hit us up on our social media, which is linked in the show notes below. Um, do you have anything you want to promote or any messages, subliminal messages you want to put out there, Max? Uh, follow me on Twitter. Yes. And if that's What's subliminal... What's your Twitter name? Uh, I'm, ma- I'll put it in the show notes anyway. It's but- a Maxer of Disguise. <laughs> M-A-X-E-R O-F Disguise. <laughs> do you consider yourself a I was gonna. I wanted, of I, I wanted to say uh, Maxter with the T, Max but that was too many disguise. characters. Or, or it might have been taken or something. I don't know. I just really enjoy the movie Master of Disguise, and it's oh, my yeah. little way of paying tribute to that. <laughs> I think if, if you my, want to be on the podcast again, we should do Master of Disguise and Glitter. That'd be great. Right? Well, Master of Both Disguise. Both movies that came out on like 9-11. Well, yeah. Or well, were filmed around 9-11. We're filmed around 9-11. Well, I will just... I, I'm, 
it's not fair because like even right now, I'll just tell you that that'll win for me, like mm-hmm. hands down. Have you seen Cluedo? My uh, movie? Uh, yes, I have. Okay. And I'll just say that Master of Disguise is just quite possibly the greatest immediate post 9-11 cinema. Um, it really nailed where we were as a country. Uh, you can say that as well with authority, having lived here. I can as as um, a representative of America. Wow. For all of the Twin Picks. Well, thank you for doing your work today on this episode. Thank you. Your country is Stop the steal. Stop stop saying like conservative things and then just covering it up. (laughs) Wait, I hope hope this was a good episode. I hope none of your listeners try to put a curtain.